The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and a desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to your coaching, so there's always somebody available to answer your questions and to help you adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, the ITL Coaching and Performance website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the United States or outside the United States, they are there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayerX, www.slayerx.com. SlayerX is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayerX was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes and now you can enjoy those same mixes. SlayerX offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayerX offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legal enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gel, try SlayerX's new Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorbed carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them that the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2019 at checkout on the website and you'll get 10% off anything that you purchase there. That's SlayerX.com, PLEASANT2019. Test, don't guess with SlayerX. Thanks to all of our sponsors for helping us to bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayerX. This is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'd like to wish all of our American listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is this week, of course, and as many of you know, it is the most common race day for people around the United States. With that in mind, Saucony actually put out a special version of one of their racing flats that has turkeys and pumpkins and fall colors and all that sort of thing on it, so perhaps you'll be racing in those. But even if you're not, uh, good luck in your Thanksgiving races. We have for you this week another one of our Race Report podcasts. We're going to be talking to Kelly Kingsfield, who last month completed the Ironman World Championship in Kailua, Kona, Hawaii. As you'll hear her say, this was actually the result of about a seven-year journey for her. She qualified via the Legacy Program, and the Legacy Program works by getting 12 Ironman finishes and then putting your name into a special lottery to get into the Ironman World Championships. She actually decided pretty soon after she did her very first one that this is something that she wanted to attempt, and she got her husband on board too, and the two of them actually ended up competing together, as you'll hear her say here. So... I don't want to take too much away from her. She talks a lot more about the journey itself, and so let's go ahead and get to what she has to say. But I do want to give you a quick reminder about the format. We talked to her about a week before she left to go to Kona to compete, uh, and then we talked to her a week or so after she got back. And so we'll hear this opening portion here where she tells us about the way she's feeling, what she's planning, what her goals are, and, of course, the journey that she took to get there, which for her was a, a particularly long journey. Um, well, I'll come in in the middle there. I will remind you that we're about to shift gears here to talk about the post-race, um, and then we'll hear what she has to say about how it went for her. Here we go. Kelly Kingsfield, Ironman World Championship in Kailua, Kona, Hawaii. 
Kelly Kingsfield, welcome to the Most Buzz and Exhaustion podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Kelly, you are getting ready for a big race, and I reached out to you and asked you if you'd come on, and you said that you would, and I really appreciate that. Tell us what your big race is. Uh, the Ironman World Championships in Kona on October 12th. Right on. Um, right on. You excited? I am excited. I am. Uh, it uh, It's about eight days out now, and I'm, I'm ready to get to it at this point. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, you and I were talking about offline that, that when you have this major event that you've been pointing at a real long time, eventually you get to a place where you're like, I'm ready to get on with it. Um, let, yes. Let's get to the starting line. Let's, let's, let's get to it. Yeah, so very good. And how long how long have you been pointing at this race? How long have you known that you got into to the Ironman World Championship? So I've known that uh, I had a slot in 2019 since March of 2018. <laughs> so, uh, so I've known for a while, yeah. uh, and I set my sights on doing this race um, via Legacy, which we can talk about, um, in 2012. Right on. So I've had my sights set on this for a long time. Right on, right on. Well, let's, let's talk about Legacy. So, so tell us about the Legacy program and how it works. So the Legacy program was introduced in 2012 um, by Ironman as a way to uh, reward and recognize, I think, some of their best customers and give those folks who continuously do Ironman branded races a chance to, you know, compete in the World Championship. Um, you have to have 12 Ironman branded finishes of uh, the full 140.6. Um, the races don't have to be in consecutive years, but when you are two years out from applying, you do have to have two years of consecutive finishes before mm. you apply. Okay. Um, so once you have the 12 finishes, you apply in uh, late November. They tell you in March what year they're going to give you. Uh, if you are given a year, if you're given a spot a year or two out, um, until it's your year to race, you still have to do full Ironman races each year to, to keep your validation going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's a pretty cool program. Mm -hmm. uh, they typically let 100 legacy participants go each year. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they've bonused that with 125. Sometimes um, they've done 175. This year there's 155. Okay. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how they decide how many they're going to let go. But in, in my group this year, there's 155 of us. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited because uh, one of the other participants is my husband, Jeff. Right on. Um, we've been on this journey together um, to qualify for this. And so I was super excited. He was given a spot in 2020. Mm -hmm. And about 50 days out from the race, they moved him up to this year, hmm. uh, which is great. We're, mm -hmm. we're excited to finish the journey together. Right on, right on. Very cool. Well, let's, let's talk about that journey. What was the first Ironman that you did? So I started with Ironman Louisville um, mm -hmm. in 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, My wife did that race. Oh, did she? I yeah. was there. I was cheering. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a good one. And, and uh, I, you know, I feel like we have a badge of honor because we did it back when it was in August. Right. Um, and it was super hot, uh, mm -hmm. and um, that was my first my first one. Uh, I was doing it uh, without a coach. I, I did probably my first uh, five races without a coach. Mm -hmm. um, not something I really recommend uh, to people. Uh, things got a lot better when I when I teamed up with a professional who could tell me how to do this. Um, but it, it was a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, I just I had the bug and, and wanted to do another one and then another one, and, and then they introduced this program, and the rest is history. Gotcha, gotcha. And so, so it isn't as if you said, I want to do Kona one day, I'm going to start doing Ironmans. You, you had already started doing Ironman triathlons, and then they introduced the Legacy program, and you said, hey, that's something I think I can get in on, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I... Uh, I actually had um, one finish in one DNF mm -hmm. when the program was introduced, mm -hmm. and I was signed up for Ironman Wisconsin, mm -hmm. and uh, 
with one finish and one DNF, I said, I think that we can do this. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff was a little more reluctant about <laughs> it uh, than me. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we went on to, to both finish at uh, Wisconsin mm -hmm. and, um, and set our sights on doing two a year mm -hmm. uh, from that point. So that, you know, our goal was to do Kona while we were both 50. Mm -hmm. And we will both turn 51 a few weeks after the race. And mm -hmm. so we've achieved the goal. Right on. Um, you know, like, like anyone who has done some Ironman races, that you know, the journey has not been perfectly smooth. We mm -hmm. have five DNFs between us, um, but we've worked out a lot of those kinks and, um, you know, uh, feel confident that, um, that we're going to be able to take on the Kona course. Right on, right on. I mean, let's let's be honest though. You have five DNFs between you, but but in order to qualify for for the legacy slot, only the finishes count. And so right. between between the two of you, you have twenty five finishes, but yep. you had to validate as well. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So um, I have thirteen finishes, and Jeff has twelve. Right. Um, so uh, so yeah, way more finishes uh, than than DNFs. Um, uh, I. You know, I, I was not an athlete in high school or college. Um, I really uh, picked up this sport in my late 30s. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I've, I've had a ways to, to grow. Uh, sometimes people will ask Jeff and I, well, which one of the disciplines, you know, is your strength? Right. And um, uh, Jeff likes to joke that none of them are my strength. <laughs> um, that's not very nice. When, <laughs> I know, I know, but uh, I'm not a natural at some of these things, but uh, the bike is my strength, in my opinion. Uh, it, it's definitely where I have the most fun, and, you know, that's the biggest chunk of the day. Mm -hmm. um, but I did Quick side up. note, quick side. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Kelly. I seem to remember the last Ironman that you and Jeff did together. Didn't you beat him? I did. Yeah, and so I the did. guy who's talking about how none of them are your strength, what, what does he say about himself? Well, he, you know, he's a really good swimmer. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then he's not bad on the bike. Um, if we were doing if we were doing a standalone running race, uh, he's definitely a very strong runner. Um, but he, he, he has some challenges during the marathon in an Ironman. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's persevered through, you know, through all of these races. So he, he's figured out a way to get to the finish line. But right on. Yeah. Right on. Very good. You, you are, you are far, far more generous than I would be if my spouse said the same about me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know how we are as far as, you know, the, the love and admiration that I have for him. So for sure, for sure. Um, so, so. What brought you to, I mean, you said you didn't really have a history in running or swimming or cycling. So, so what brought you to doing an Ironman way back in 2010, even before the legacy program started? So I, um, I was, uh, started off, um, doing five K's, 10 K's. I did some sprint triathlons and then I got, uh, and I was doing adventure racing with a team, uh, with a three person team. And so I, I had a, you know, a love for, you know, with the adventure racing, we were doing more of the um, mountain biking and orienteering and, you know, kayaking, you know, a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And then I, I found myself very, very into bodybuilding and I wanted to compete in bodybuilding. But as I progressed in that sport, um, I discovered that my body could not handle the amount of protein loading that was hmm. necessary to, to get to a level to compete. Hmm. Um, and so at that point, I decided I was going to focus more on running and biking and uh, did more sprint tries and, and then, you know, decided to sign up for Augusta 70.3 the first year that it was introduced. Mm -hmm. And um went over and did that race all by myself. I, I didn't know any other triathletes. I was all alone. My wife was in um, that race too. I was there cheering there too. So. Oh, wow. See, <laughs> if I had known you, you then. <laughs> right? <laughs> if I had known you then. Right? I, you know, I went over and, and did that race. And as I drove home alone from Augusta, uh, 
I was just reflecting on how much fun the day had been. And yeah, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a full Ironman. Right on. Um, and that, that kicked it all off. Right on. Right on. Very good. Um, I, I can, I can appreciate and I admire the fact that, that y'all, first of all, that you set out seven years to do it, that, that it came about in 2012 and you, like you said, you had one finish and one DNF at the time. And you kind of said, okay, let's, let's set a goal to do this. But rather than saying, oh, well, we're going to try and do it like next year and signing up for literally like 12 Ironmans in a year, um, which would have been, you know, horrible and self-destructive and everything else. You kind of said, this is a long-term goal. Um, let's take seven years and actually try and knock it out before we turn or while we're still 50 before we turn 51. Um, and so, so yeah, being able to lay out a goal like that so far in advance and then pursue it, um, that takes a lot of tenacity. And I appreciate that and I admire that. Um, I imagine though, like you said, it wasn't really a straight path. Um, you said you had some other DNFs there along the way. Were there some other kind of times when you got knocked off the path and you thought maybe you wouldn't be able to get back on the path along that course of that seven years? Yeah, we did. Um, you know, during this time, uh, Jeff and I, we had four children between us and careers and, you know, all of the things that, you know, we, we got we got married during during the seven years. We raised these kids. We only have one left at home now. Um, we remodeled a house. We sold a house. We built a house. Um, we both had job changes during the seven years. So there were times that we just said, you know, this is crazy. We can't continue to do this. Um, during the time as a result of my DNF in 2013 in uh, Ironman Coeur I was diagnosed with a digestive disorder and an autoimmune disease. And, you know, at that time, we really took a hard look at what we were doing and said, should we continue? And, you know, each time we came against some challenges, we, you know, we say, well, let's, let's just keep, you know, we're signed up next year for these two races. Let's just do them and see how it goes. And, um, by the time we got to six or seven finishes, you know, we were like, we, we got to do it. I mean, we're already halfway there and a lot of work was put in, um, you know, doing something for this long that happens to be this time consuming and this hard, your motivation does tend to wane. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying this as a, as a plug for ITL, but, in, in all honesty, um, at some point, Jeff and I said, we need to seek out and find some other triathletes and find a group. And we found ITL and that really helped get us over the finish line, having the friends and the training partners and the, you know, when the motivation was lacking, the, um, the, the anticipation of you know, riding with our friends or seeing our friends at track or at the Thursday run, that really kept us going um, for, you know, um, we've, we've been with ITL for uh, seven or eight of these Ironman. So, um, you know, that, that really played a key role in getting us to this point. Right on, right on. Very good. Um, I want to know how you've you've changed your training for this race specific because I know you have, um, but but I was just kind of thinking over the course of that seven years, you're talking about how much change you've seen in your life, um, and I'm not going to tug at your heartstrings too much to think about just how much your life has changed over the course of that seven years. We'll talk about that in the the, the post interview, <laughs> but um, but but I I do wonder how your your training itself has changed over the course of that seven years. Do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I, I know, for example, that you spent a lot of time on Zwift, and Zwift didn't exist seven years ago. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how, you, how, how your, your approach to training and how your training itself has changed over the last seven years? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, in the beginning, Jeff and I, um, you know, tremendous love of cycling for both of us and running. And so in the beginning, um, we had a pattern where every other weekend, we would go to uh, the North Georgia mountains and we would ride in the gaps, just the two of us. Um, and 
uh, you know, just spend all day on Saturday, uh, you know, Wolfpin, Neils, you know, Woody's, just riding the two of us, we would stop and have picnics. And it's quite different from the group rides that we do with ITL. Mm-hmm. Um, and on Sundays, we would do long trail runs and, you know, just love being outdoors together. Um, as we progressed, we had several years where we did a tremendous amount of our training indoors um, for convenience. We had soccer games and baseball games and all the things that come with with having kids. And um, I mean, I had one year where I rode uh, almost 4,000 miles exclusively inside on my trainer, mm-hmm. um, which some people would you know go insane thinking about that. Um, as we got ingrained in the ITL group, we started to transition more to outdoors. And, you know, our coach um, this year really wanted us to focus on being outside. We definitely needed, you know, to have the long, hot training rides outside, you know, to prepare for the conditions in Kona. Um, This is the first year that I've ever attended Masters Swimming Um, with ITL group. Um, I'm not a fast swimmer and it's embarrassing to me to swim in front of other people Um, but I I pushed myself outside my comfort zone and it turned out it's a lot of fun. It's really deepened my friendships with the folks that are in my lane and um, and I definitely you know right away I was like wow this is so much more of a valuable swim workout than when I'm alone, Mm -hmm. you know, at my gym swimming. Um, So that's been different. Um, When we are on the trainer, uh, many, many more structured rides and workouts on the trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, We still do Zwift from time to time, but um, I would say that all the ITL coaches have a love for trainer road and it's its own little piece of torture and uh, (laughs) i have spent so much time on trainer road you know Mm -hmm. during the week Mm -hmm. um and it's made me a stronger cyclist it really has um and and jeff and i both have really focused on going to more of the group workouts Mm -hmm. um this year with the masters the brookhaven run the, the track you know showing up for the Saturday rides and um, you know I think it's it all of that combined will have prepared us so much better uh, for Kona than you know the way we we had trained way in the past. Right on, right on. It sounds like if I were to to paint it with some really broad strokes, it sounds like you kind of started off not really training all that seriously, but but enjoying yourself and being outside and having picnics and all that sort of thing, like you said. And then as you went a few years deeper into the goal, you kind of got more serious. But as you got more serious, you got more sort of inside, um, that you started training more inside and, and, and more structured training, all that sort of thing. And then now, just over the course of the last year or so, it seems like you've perhaps maybe finally hit that sweet spot where you're still training seriously, but, but you've gone back outside and you started reconnecting with, with groups and with other riders and that sort of thing. Um, does that seem, does that sound about yes. right? Yep. Yep. That's Um, very accurate. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's cool. Um, All right. So, so you mentioned that you started going to master swimming, that you've been doing a lot more outdoor stuff in order to, to uh, acclimate to the heat a little bit better. Um, You're probably the only person in the Metro Atlanta area who is glad that it has stayed hot for as long as it has. So, uh, so (laughs) that, that, that your acclimation, it will not go away. Um, But, uh, but but are there other things that you've trained that you've done specifically as you've gotten ready for this race? Um, you know, the, I mean, one one of my my focuses uh, this year has really been on you know my swim. Mm-hmm. Um, at this year's race, uh, you know, it's going to be the first year at the World Championships that they have a wave start. It will right. not be a mass start. Right. Um, they, they made a decision. They had put, um, the legacy athletes in the last wave. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to make us all feel a little bit better, um, they've given our wave a, a special Hawaiian name and they're going to highlight 
six of the athletes during the swim, uh, six of the legacy athletes, and I'm one of the athletes that they're going to highlight, cool. which is a great honor. Very much. Um, and that's they're really doing that because of um, the journey I've had with, with the two uh, health conditions that I, I, um, that I, I fight or that I live with. Um, but the swim, I've, I've really focused on uh, trying to swim more. Um, you know, I have a lot of anxiety about going last in the swim. Um, you know, some people tell me, well, you know, since you're not as fast of a swimmer, it will be good that you won't have people swimming over the top of you or around you. I actually prefer to feel very crowded in the swim. Me too. Um, I just feel like, you know, seeing other people's hands and arms and, and their feet that I know I'm on course. Right. Um, I have, even though I'm not that fast, I will, I will get into someone's draft and stay there as long as I'm humanly, humanly possible to stay on someone's feet. Um, and, and I have through, uh, the world of social media, I have identified two other people in, in my swim wave right who swim about my speed and, right. and, uh, they promised me that, that the three of us were going to get through this. Um, right so a lot of focus on the swim this year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, that segues into the last thing we want to ask you about before we, we send you off. Um, you know, it's you, you and I are talking. It's Friday. The the race is a week from tomorrow. Like you said, it's eight days out. When are you actually leaving to, to fly to Kona? We fly on Tuesday. Okay. You fly um, on Tuesday. Get there Tuesday. Race Saturday. Um, yes. So yeah. so so as you're as you're thinking about the trip, as you're getting ready. Um, anxieties, expectations, goals for the race? Um, you know, you mentioned that you, you, you're anxious about the swim, given that you're starting there at the back, but are there other anxieties or expectations or goals you have for the race? Kind of when, when you think about it, what are you envisioning your experience to be? Yeah, so anxious about the swim and, you know, enough people who have, have completed the race and, and even some of my friends who are already there now you know, a lot of people have, have said, oh, don't worry about the swim. It's so beautiful. Um, and, and they've said, you need to worry about the bike is what you need to worry about. You need to worry about the wind um, on the bike. Uh, and, you know, uh, probably not the best move, but one of my friends sent me a video of the wind in Kona uh, that was just like the day before yesterday. And, uh, it, it looked absolutely terrifying. So I've, I've uh, moved some of my focus on worry from the swim to the bike. <laughs> um, as you know, I, I asked you a question about, you know, my my three-spoke uh, head wheels, and, and did you think they would be okay in the wind? Um, and I said, yes, I do think they'll be okay on the wind, because you've ridden them in wind before. Yes, I have. I have. I, it, it, this is the first time in my life that I was like, man, I wish I wasn't at race weight. You know, I wish I weighed a little more, yeah. um, but I think, you know, I think I'll, I'll be fine. I'm, you know, I'm anxious about, about the heat on the run. Um, but I, I do like, uh, warm weather and I tend to do fairly well in the heat. Um, which leads me to my last anxiety, which is how will my husband handle the heat? Hmm. Um, he does not do well in the heat. Um, he and I uh, somehow were able to have a bike wreck with one another about three weeks ago, and he has two broken ribs. Mm -hmm. And um, he's tested out his ability to, to swim, bike, and run, and, and he's still going to make the start line. Um, so I'll be very anxious all day about, you know, how is he doing. Um, Adam uh, likes to tell me, uh, don't be a baby. So I'm going to focus on not being a baby and not being scared and, and, you know, go out there and be brave about the swim and the bike. And then he also likes to remind me that it's not a family affair. Um, and I'm going to really try to focus on just running my race and let Jeff run his race. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we'll see each other uh, after we cross the finish line, hopefully with, with medals around our necks. Right on. Um, you know, my goal for the day, 
I've accomplished the biggest goal that I had, which was to prove to myself that I could qualify and stand on the start line in Kona. That was, that has always been my goal. Um, I've always been a, a little bit afraid of this race and the conditions, and and um, I've always told myself that uh, if I can qualify and cross the start line, I will accomplish what I set out to do. Everything else beyond that for me on race day is going to be icing on the cake. I mm-hmm. mean, I want to, I want to finish. I want a medal. I want a finisher's t-shirt. You know, I want to be able to walk around and say, I, you know, I finished Kona. Um, but really what I set out to do in this journey, I have, I've done, um, I've met so many wonderful friends. Um, and so I just, I've, I've just gained so much from this sport and I've grown so much from the sport. Um, I don't have any time goals. Uh, you know, I'd like for it to be a fun day. Uh, and, you know, I'm super excited to be racing with, with Jeff, with, teammates Jacqueline and Kelly and you know I mean I couldn't have asked for this to work out in a better way than to you know have have those three people there with me um and you know other other people Jeff Kaplan and and Rico and Tiago like I'm just excited that there's a there's a group of us who have trained together um over the years that that we'll get to experience this uh as friends Right on, Sorry. right on. That sounds fantastic. Actually, your 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 expectations and your goals, for me at least, far outweigh your anxieties. And so, I I for one am very excited to to of course see you on the starting line and track you throughout the day. But I'm also very excited to watch you cross the finish line as well. Uh, Kelly Kingsfield, good luck in Kona, and we're we're excited about circling back around with you after the race and hearing about how awesome it was. All right, thank you so much, George, and. And just a huge thank you to you, too. You know, you've been a huge part of my journey. Um, I've learned so much from you. And, and thank you for, for having me on here. And uh, just don't want to close it out without telling you how much you've meant to me in my journey. So I appreciate everything. I appreciate that, Kelly. It's all you, though. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out on race day. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay, so there you have our pre-race conversation with Kelly, and she talked a lot about the various things that she did leading up to the race. Let's not waste any time. Let's hear how the race went for her. So we got back in touch about a week after she got back. Let's hear how it went. Kelly Kingsfield, welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Let's not bury the lead. Did you finish? I did finish. Way to go. Yes, Con- I did. Congratulations, Kelly. Congratulations. Tell us about it. Well, um, you know, uh, I would say that when I arrived in Kona, um, much hotter than I had imagined, mm-hmm. um, even though I had other people who have raced in Kona tell me that it's like racing on the face of the sun, <laughs> um, I still did not grasp that concept. Um, the, uh, the sun was just so intense and so hot. Uh, and so, um, when I arrived, I was a little bit concerned, uh, about the heat. Um, I, we may have talked in the first segment, you know, I had a lot of fears around the swim. We did. I did some practice swims and, uh, and got really comfortable and Hmm. was, uh, quite, happy with the swim uh i uh saw lots of pretty fish and a turtle and uh you know way more buoyant than maybe i thought i would be and you know so that that all those fears all calmed down and mm-hmm. uh and so i was uh happy about that my second practice swim the waters were much much choppier that day uh and jeff and i took turns going out so i had more fear going into that practice swim, but did just fine and swam out a long way and swam back by myself, you know, and and everything was fine. So I was like, I I totally, I've got this from the swim standpoint. Right on. Very good. Very good. You actually said, so the first time we talked, you said that you had been nervous about the swim, but you were kind of starting to let go of some of your nerves about the swim, but you had suddenly started getting really nervous about the bike. That was about a week out. Were you able to ease some of your nerves about the bike? 
No, I was not. <laughs> uh, no. Um, you know, uh, on Thursday, Jeff and I went for a practice ride. Um, we drove the whole course, and then we went for a practice ride. And uh, the um, there was a tremendous amount of wind. And I wasn't prepared for that either, even though I had heard that was going to be the case. Um, it was very, very windy. And when we turned around, uh, we were on the Queen K and we were headed towards the airport from, you know, further out. And when we hit the airport, we turned around to head back out to where the car was. And uh, it was uh, it was a lot of struggle for me. Um, I was being blown everywhere. At that time, you know, the road was open. I was on the shoulder of the road, and there were tanker trucks going by. And, I mean, it, it was it was really scary. And mm. I was going right into a headwind. It was very hard. And I was just, you know, I had the next day and a half, I had to really, you know, work with myself on, you know, overcoming the new fear that I had that the bike was going to do me in. Mm. Um, if you... If you read the race report that I wrote, one of the things that that I really uh, started to think about that day um, with the bike was, you know, I was trying to convince myself, you know, it's only 112 miles, it's 56 miles out, 56 miles back, mm -hmm. you know, you've done this so many times, it's going to be fine. Why? Well, I, I started thinking about the huge accomplishment that Thomas Odom had had in mm -hmm doing ram alone mm -hmm. and you know that really dwarfed what i was about to try to take on and you know I, that really for some reason that really gave me a lot of um inspiration um and I, I really just tried to you know think about what the human body can do and what you can endure and and you know in comparison to what some other people have done, um, you know, including like Brent and Kyle, you know, doing that course um, together, you know, in comparison, you know, getting myself through 112 miles in the wind, you know, I said, okay, I can do this. Hmm. So. Did you, did you draw any, um, because, you know, a big part of what we talked about the first time we talked was, was, you know, your legacy. And so you had done and completed 12 Ironmans already. Uh, or thirteen, I guess, because you had to you had to uh, validate. Um, and so, did you draw any uh, satisfaction or any sort of comfort from the fact that you had done it so many times already? Yes, I did. I did. You know, I kept reminding myself, hey, "You've done this so many times." And then, then when I broke it down in my mind that it was fifty six miles out and fifty six miles back, you know, in addition to, you know, all of the full. Uh, 140.6 races that I've done, you know, I've done, um, eight or nine 70.3s and, and then all the training rods. And, you know, so I kept reminding myself, you know, you've covered this distance over and over and over. So, you know, you can do this. Um, you know, you had asked me at one point, um, when we were talking about my bike and my wheels and just, gathering some opinions about my setup um you said well you've ridden this bike with these wheels and when before right and I said yes and you said well you'll be fine well I've never ridden it in that kind of wind <laughs> <laughs> I've never you know that was the only thing that I could not you know reconcile in my brain that I have not ridden that far in that kind of wind mm. um that that's a whole different level of uh, wind and challenge and heat that, you know, I had not faced before. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I got through it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So did you, did you end up carrying those nerves with you to the starting line? I mean, were, were you still nervous about, I mean, you're obviously, you're always nervous on a starting line about what's to, what's to come, but were you still nervous about that as you towed the line? You know, it's interesting. Um, I think I was less nervous starting this race than, <clears throat> so many more hmm. I, I think that my nerves were overshadowed by just the large amount of joy that i felt that i had made it and that i was here hmm. 
And, you know, like standing in the swim line, uh, you know, we were watching the pros come out of the water. We, you know, we could hear all the announcements. We could see them. We saw them coming around on their, you know, on their bikes as they started. And, you know, I just was distracted by the happiness and, and everything that I felt for being there. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I really was not like the, the bundle of nerves that, that I have been at, mm-hmm. at other times. So that's good. That's good. Did, did you have, did you have any sort of moments there as a starting line? Did you have any of those kind of transcendental moments where you sort of looked up and said, wow, I'm actually at the starting line of this thing that I've been working on for seven years? Oh yeah. Yeah. There were, there were tears at Mm -hmm. different points and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, definitely when I got out of the swim and I got on my bike and I was headed out on the Queen K. I, I mean, I could start crying right now talking about it. Um, I, I, I literally had tears rolling down my face. I mean, I was just so happy um, that I was there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So something that I had, you know, just dreamed about for so long. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So let's talk about the, the, the individual parts of it here. So, so you had the swim and then I, re, I did read your race report. You posted as a status there on Facebook. Um, yeah. and you said that, that you were surprised that you weren't by yourself as much in the water as, as you thought you were going to be. And so that's great. Talk a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, our swim wave, the legacy wave went last. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so I was for sure, I thought I'd be alone, you know, uh, it's no secret. I'm not a very fast swimmer. Um, but I wasn't alone. Um, I would, you know, at different times look up to, to sight a buoy and, you know, like, Oh wow, there's some people over there. Hmm. Um, and so there were people around me constantly. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, um, after I had made the turn to go back in towards the pier, um, I was passing people and, hmm. you know, I was like, Holy crap, I'm passing people. Um, so I was really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that I have ever looked at my watch in a swim before. Um, but you know, I felt my watch vibrate at 500 yards and I thought, I wonder how I'm doing. I didn't look when I got to a thousand yards, I looked and, you know, I was started, you know, I was swimming <laughs> and, Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hang, hang on a second. <laughs> I guess it's a nice insight into the life of the Kingsfields. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, Jeff told me, he said, you should go up in my, in my office in case the the dogs bark. And I said, oh, no, no, it'll be fine. I'm going up to the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so. He was sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. Um, so, okay. So I, uh, I was looking at my watch and I started doing the math and I was keeping a really good pace for me. And I, as I continued to do the math, I was on pace to do maybe a 126 or a 127 which would have been the fastest I've ever swam. Hmm. But I swam over 5,000 yards. Hmm. Um, And looking at the map, I was being pulled from the buoys and I would swim back into the buoys and then get pulled out and swim back in. So I threw some extra yardage in there. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't challenged enough for you. It wasn't challenged enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so, So you get out... You, you, you get onto your bike. You, of course, have a few uh, emotional moments on the bike there because I'm sure that was at least in part because of the relief of the swim, right? Because it's not as if you felt real confident about the swim. So so you, you have that relief there. You, you get onto your bike. Um, and then what were the conditions like on the bike? You said you were worried that it was hot and you were worried it was going to be windy after your preview ride. Was it? It was. It was. So um, in the beginning, you know, things were going well. I... I you know, did the the little square that you do before you get on the Queen K. Things were going great. I started heading out on the the Queen K, and uh, and I was flying. 
And, you know, I'm like, this is going to be the best day I've ever had. And I was so excited. And I think somewhere around mile 25 or so, um, those winds turned and I was, I was going into a headwind and, you know, it was like, womp, womp, womp. This is not going to be the best day ever. (laughs) Um, And then a few more miles out, probably you know, somewhere around mile 35 or in that range, we came into some crosswinds and it, it was literally terrifying to me. I mean, I've never been blown around so much. Um, I uh, had had a conversation with Katie Koval and she had told me that she was blown off her bike uh in a previous trip to Kona and she said, you know, whatever you do, don't overcorrect. So I spent a lot of time focusing on not overcorrecting when I was being pushed to the left. You know, I literally, and I could see other people do, I literally was in a full on lean, you know, trying to keep myself back on my side of the road without, you know, doing any jerking or overcorrecting. And mm-hmm. um, I thought when we made the left hand turn, to go down the big descent and then head towards Havi, I thought that... Um, down towards Kauai High. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, well, it'll get better at that point. And I made the turn, and it was like, no, nope, no better. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made the right-hand turn towards uh, Havi, and still no better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the hope that, you know, when I get to this turn or when I get to the turnaround, the hope that the crosswinds were going to let up you know, kept me moving forward. I kept thinking, okay. well, it will get better. Um, and it, it really didn't. <laughs> um, up until the point that I was like, well, you know, I've only got 40 miles left. I mean, it's only 40 miles. And at that point, it really was more of a headwind, um, which I, I actually prefer the headwind over the crosswinds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, at, at one point, I saw another woman get blown off her bike and, um you know, could tell that medical was going to have to be called in. And, um, you know, it, it was, uh, it was nerve wracking and stressful. Um, but, uh, you know, I just had to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, uh, Mark Allen one time, you know, six time Kona champion, I can't remember the exact quotation. Um, but he said something to the effect of tailwinds are always welcome. Headwinds are bad for everybody. But crosswinds are something particularly terrible. I can't remember the exact quotation, but but he he expressed a sentiment similar to what you just said in that he didn't mind headwinds so much. It's the crosswinds that he really thought were were dangerous and onerous and most unwelcome. Yeah, and that's how I feel too. <laughs> I um you know I I got myself in a little bit of a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first half of the bike, because I, I would not reach back to mm-hmm. anything in my jersey. Mm-hmm. I was stopping at every aid station to pour water on myself and to mm-hmm. drink some Coke. And mm-hmm. and I did eat a few things at aid stations on the way out. But in between the aid stations, I would not let go of my handlebars. I, mm-hmm. you know, So when I made it to special needs, I, I was like, wow, I don't feel very good. And, and that doesn't really happen to me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to really start forcing down calories at every aid station. And, um, and I turned it back around, but it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the kind of bike ride where I was able to, you know, follow my nutrition plan like I normally would. It, you know, it really kind of took me off my game plan a little bit. For sure. Um, For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're white knuckling your handlebars so much that you weren't willing to let go to feed yourself. Yeah, I mean that's that's clearly problematic in a race as long as Kona or a race as long as an Ironman. So for sure, yeah, for sure. So you eventually made it back. You saw Jeff for the first time on the bike too, right? Didn't I read that? I did. I did. I saw him as I was probably um, I was probably five miles before Javi, and he was coming down from the turnaround, and uh, you know that's probably the one time I let go of my handlebar for just a quick second and I waved at him and, you know, we, we do a good job of spotting each other. And so we, uh, we waved and, uh, and I kept moving. 
Um, I didn't know at the time, but he he had he saw uh, Rako get blown off her bike, and he stopped and helped her when when that happened to her. Um, so he was he was saying extra prayers for me because you know he was he was worried. Um, I think it's a, a little more challenging when you're a lightweight athlete, you know. Sure. Um, uh, so I got to see him. So that was exciting. Very good. Very good. So did he wave back or was he too much in race mode trying to beat you? Cause I know we talked about that last time. Also. <laughs> no, he, he did. He did. He was super excited to see me. He was waving and yelling and, you know, uh, and we always yell, I love you, you know? So, uh, so yeah, he, Very he good. did. Very good. All right. So you, so you, you, you ultimately made it off the bike. Um, yeah. Did, was it a longer bike than usual, shorter bike than usual, faster than usual or slower? Longer than usual, slower than usual. Yes. But the longest, longest, uh, 112 miles I've ever clocked. Okay. So okay. yeah. Yeah. And then you merely had 26.2 miles to run. That's all just all right. 26. I, I always think of it as, uh, 26 one mile runs. <laughs> All right. Very All good. I have. Just get from aid station to aid station. Okay. So how'd that go? I mean, so, so, so you got out, um, you, you, you changed, uh, I read that you said you, you, you sat in T2 for a little while in order to kind of get your wits about you, um, and kind of sit there rather than sort of rushing through it. Uh, and then you headed out on the run. Talk to us about the run. Yeah. So headed out on the run. Uh, I felt good. I did. I, you know, I, um, I had, I had taken in enough calories on the second half of the bike and I felt good. Um, I definitely had hydrated well. Um, there was no doubt about that, uh, that, you know, and I continued to hydrate. Um, so no stomach problems and, and feeling good. I, you know, made a decision that I was going to run the the flats and run the downhills i'd walk through the aid stations and get what i needed um start running again and that i'd I'd run i would uh walk the uphills as needed and so for quite some time i was you know holding you know 13 15 13 10 you know every now and then uh like a you know 13 30 you know so I, i was happy with that pace um you know, I'm not a super fast runner, you know, otherwise I, I was happy with that pace after the work that I put in on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, every, I saw the ITL crew, I saw Adam, saw, saw, uh, Evan, our families, my sister, all of those people. And everybody was telling me, you know, Jeff is not far ahead. You're going to catch him. Mm-hmm. Um, I made it through the first part of the run and headed out on the queen K and uh was probably around mile eight and i saw jeff up ahead of me and uh and i caught him that was on that was on the queen k yep that was on the queen k so it would have been after eight then because because you you crest the queen k around 10. okay so maybe it was before the queen k then but i caught him somewhere another yeah eight to ten miles i caught him all right and uh and we uh I, I was walking with him. Um, you know, there's a, I, I believe that there's a slight uphill all the way out towards the energy lab at, you know, at certain points, there's a little <laughs> bit of an uphill. So we're walking and, um, we did come to some points where we said, okay, we're going to, you know, let's jog. And, um, he was, he was quite nauseous. Uh, and so, uh, jogging was not working out well. So, um, so we, uh, we walked a lot of the rest of the the race. Um, and you know, that, that's exactly how I wanted our, our Kona journey to end together. Mm -hmm. You know, we've, uh, we've gone through so many races, so much training, so many hours, so many years of training that, you know, to be together at the end of the race is exactly what, uh, you know, it's exactly what, um, I had hoped for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Very good. So you crossed the finish line together. We did. We did. We, um, you know, we came out of, uh, the energy lab just as sweepers were going into the energy lab. We made that 
you know, that final cutoff, we were alone in the pitch black. I, I, I think Hawaii uh, must practice some form of um, being mindful of light pollution. And so there's not a lot of lights. There's no street lights. There were no big spotlights like you usually have on courses, you know, in, in North America. So we were all alone in the dark on the Queen K and uh, just making our way mile by mile. And uh, as we got closer, uh, I made him promise when we saw the shoot, we would we would run and smile because uh, we, we finished together at Lake Placid and there were no, no smiles and the finished <laughs> photos were terrible. Um, we had a ITL flag with us that we wanted to carry. And so we got to the finish line and we broke that out and, started our run in and uh, we finished uh, late enough that we got the special advantage of uh, uh, the pro winners giving us our uh, Hawaiian lays. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, and then uh, Andrew, the CEO came up and gave us a hug and thanked us. And um, we, we joked with him for a minute about that we'd done 32 races between the two of us and, he seemed pleased with that. I guess the program's working the way he wants it to work. Mm-hmm. Um, hugged a good friend of ours, uh, Gary Kessler, who had been uh, with me a lot on the bike course. We were leapfrogging a lot on the bike course, and we finished right around the same time. And and then we went back and got our medals. Um, so it was a uh, it was a good good finish, good day. Very good, very good. All right, so so a couple of quick questions about it then. When you caught Jeff on the run there, um, somewhere right around Palani Hill, not exactly sure where, but it doesn't really matter. When you caught him, did you did you decide then that y'all were going to finish together, that you were going to drag him along? Because I know that had been part of – that isn't what you were supposed to do, right? True, true. We, yeah, uh, Adam says it's not a family affair. Mm-hmm. Um, but Adam also, you know, I think was – uh, was a little worried from the beginning when Jeff got in the same year as me because he was like, oh, you know, Kelly will stop if he stops. But, yeah, we, you know, when I caught up with him, uh, yes, I had, I, in my heart, I had said, I'm, I'm going to stay right here beside him. We did have some conversations when we were in the energy lab. Um, there, you know, there was some points of real struggle there and some, real fighting to keep moving forward. And so we had some conversations. If he could not keep going, would I keep going or would I stop with him? And first we said that I would keep going without him because we'd made a pact with each other that somebody had to get a family medal, you know, (laughs) out of all of this work. You know, if if there couldn't be two medals, there had to at least be one medal. And then I'd have a change of heart and say, no, you know, if you can't go on, I'm staying with you. You know, win, lose, or draw, we're staying together. Um, but luckily, we didn't have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, very good, very good. Um, yeah, I, I, I was, I'm, I wasn't trying to second guess your decision there. Just to be clear, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I just, I, I thought it was interesting because I knew that that was something that you had, you had been talking about for months, and something we talked about in, in the first podcast that, that all right, you got to be separate, and if it doesn't go well for Jeff, and it just sounded like. In the moment, you kind of said, "You know what? I don't think that was a good idea after all. I'm not going to do that." Um, and so, so which I don't blame you for. I mean, I think that's probably okay. It worked out okay. Yeah, you know, as um, as a uh, couple, I can't really think of any time in life where we're not stronger together. Hmm. And I really felt like, you know, we would both make it to the finish line. Um, and, and together we're stronger and we could encourage each other where if I went on without him and he hit a tough moment, you know, who who knows, you know, we draw strength from each other. So there was enough time to finish it at the pace that it had to be finished at and do it together. And that was ultimately what I had, had always dreamed of. So. Right on, right on. And like you said, fortunately, you never got to that place where you actually had to make a decision as to whether you were going to, you know, ditch him. Yeah, <laughs> he will. He will never let me live it down. Um, but I had to make that decision at Chattanooga one year, mm-hmm. as he was being loaded onto a, a cart at mm-hmm. mile twelve of the run, and mm-hmm. I was 
told him I was going to go to medical with him, mm-hmm. but the cart was really small and they didn't have room for me. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, it, you know, it's like, oh my God, you want to finish without me? And so I did. So <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So the other thing, um, and I was just kind of thinking about this as, as uh, I was going back over with our first conversation. And you had said after our first conversation that your main goal was to just to get to the starting line, to be there. And, and you wanted to compete in the race, but you really weren't all that concerned about whether you were going to finish. Did that play into your mindset any as it started getting really long and as it got dark and as you started to think that maybe you weren't going to finish? Did you ever try and say, well, you know what? My goal was just to get here anyway, so I think I'll just go ahead and stop. Did, did, did that ever cross your mind? No. <laughs> no. Once I, once I was out there, you know, it's like, oh, no, I got to finish this. You know, I got to I got to get a medal and, you know, um, so, no, that, that did not cross my mind. And, you know, on, on the bike, there were times that I, I literally was scared. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would think this is crazy. You know, I'm going to get I'm going to get injured or hurt. You know, I, I, I don't know if I should continue. Um, but, you know, I kept thinking, no, no, I'm here. I got to I got to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got to make it to the finish line. And at any given time, you're only X number of miles from the finish line, whether that be, you know, I'm only 100 miles, I'm only 90 miles. And, you know, in the big scheme of things for, you know, beginning Ironman in 2011 and then starting this legacy journey in 2012, you know, I had to cover that distance, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just out of respect for how long I'd been working towards it. So, mm-hmm. right on. For sure. For sure. All right. Two more questions. First one What advice would you give to somebody who's going to be racing Kona? either as a legacy athlete or, or as a non-legacy athlete, what, 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 what is some advice you would give now that you've experienced it? So, you know, one of the, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned, and if I was doing it over again, I'd do it differently, is we flew out there on Tuesday and the race is on Saturday. Yep. And um, if I could do it over again, I definitely would have flown out on Friday before Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe Saturday, um, everything felt very, very rushed. Yeah. Um, everything felt very hectic. Um, you know, and I just don't think that was enough time. If you've never been there, if you want to get in all the practice swims, if you really want to do all the practice bikes, um, you know, I, I, I would recommend to somebody that they go earlier. Mm-hmm. That was one of my big takeaways. When I did it in 2012, we got there on Wednesday. And when I qualified again to do it in 2014, one of the things that I resolved to change to do differently was to get there earlier. And so when I did it in 2014, we got there Friday a week ahead of time. We got there eight days ahead of time. Yeah. And that, yeah. that, was, that was a good change. That, 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 that was a big difference. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, I, I would recommend that to anybody. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I won't, I don't see myself ever going back. I mean, maybe when I'm 70 or something, I will qualify <laughs> or, you know, who knows, but I don't see myself going back. But if I were going back, mm-hmm. I would go out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on, right on. And so speaking of, of qualifying when you're 70, um, clearly you don't have any plans to stop doing triathlons here. If you're talking about qualifying for Kona when you're 70. So second question is what's next? So I, I definitely, um, want to take a break. Um, I have really been enjoying, um, I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working out, you know, an hour a day, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so some days I'm working out 30 minutes a day lifting weights, but I'm really enjoying a little bit of downtime. Um, I've always, always had this tugging at my heart that I want to try to do Norseman Mm -hmm. in Norway. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I made the decision that if I, if I was ever going to try to do it, that I want to do it now while I still have, you know, all the endurance built up that I've built up all these years. Mm -hmm. And so I put my name in for the lottery, which will be drawn on Monday. Okay. Um, 
I'm not even 100% sure how I feel. Like, I'm not even sure if I'm rooting for myself to get picked or not mm -hmm. be picked. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just felt compelled to put my name in. Um, so I did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, outside of, of that, you know, I'm looking forward to some trail races and some 70.3s and, mm -hmm. you know, just a, just a, uh, a less of a demand on my time, mm -hmm. you know, to uh, continue to be a triathlete, but just not at that level of demand that, that mm -hmm. a full Ironman takes. Right on. Norseman is on August 1st of 2020, and so like you said, we'll be finding out here pretty soon whether you get in. You'll have to be sure to let us know. The lottery itself, is it the sort of lottery where when you, if you get chosen, you're automatically in, or do you get chosen and you get to decide whether to register? Uh, that is a good question. I think it, <laughs> I, I, I'm fairly certain that um, you get chosen and you're automatically in. Okay. Um. I think there's 5,024 people that put their name in the hat for the mm -hmm. lottery. Mm -hmm. I know from what I read, 250 people do the race each year. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many of those are lottery and how many of those are elites. Mm -hmm. Cause you, you, they do, when you apply, you can apply as an elite. And so there are elites that are selected. Um, but you know, let's say, you know, 175 are, are lottery. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, they will do the drawing live on Monday on YouTube and, uh, they'll be picking the name. So, okay. Let's see. Well, I don't know whether to wish you good luck in the lottery or not, but definitely, <laughs> definitely see how exactly. I only don't know because, because you don't know, like, like if you're like, I definitely want to do it, then I wish you good luck. But since, since you don't know, I don't know what to say either, but I will say I'm interested to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Well, Kelly Kingsfield, thank you for uh, for volunteering your, your thoughts and your time here to talk to us about this uh, Ironman World Championship race report. Uh, and congratulations again. Thank you so much, George. I appreciate it. All righty. We'll talk more soon. All right. Bye. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. Don't forget to reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. Reach out to us on Twitter, at pleasantpodcast. We're on Instagram now, at mostpleasantexhaustion. And you can download us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify. Don't forget to reach out to our sponsors as well. ITL Coaching and Performance can be found at itlcoaching.com at ITL Coaching on Twitter, Facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at BluePineappleTravel.com, at Facebook.com slash BluePineappleTravel, or on Instagram, BluePineappleTravel. And SlayerX can be found at SlayerX.com, at Facebook.com slash HereForSlayerX, that's the number four, HereForSlayerX, on Twitter, at OfficialSlayRx, and on Instagram, HereForSlayRx. Don't forget to use the Pleasant 2019 discount code for 10% off anything at their website. On behalf of Michelle Frank and Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. We appreciate your listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.